Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Hey, good morning, Horizon Church. Uh, so excited to get to be with you today, wherever you're coming from. Uh, like Alexander just said, my name is Daniel. Uh, I'm the youth and young adult pastor here with my wife, Katie, uh, serving alongside Pastors Craig and Shanda, our lead pastors. Uh, and we're in the middle of a series called Growing Forward. And we've been talking about what does it look like specifically in this season to not just get through what's going on, but to grow forward. And in Jeremiah 17, verse 8, it's kind of our verse for this series, and it says this. It says, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends our roots down by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now we're not uh, you know, planting a, uh, an acreage of trees, but what does this look like for our lives? As we've been going through the last six weeks, things are changing. It's a bit of a trial and a bit of a storm. And how do we not just get through this, but how do we grow in the midst of this and grow forward? You know, Pastor Craig talked last week about allowing Jesus, our vine dresser, to prune us. That it's not just because we've been doing something wrong and of punishment, but the process of allowing Holy Spirit to take what maybe was fruitful in a previous season to prune so it can be fruitful in the current season and the season to come. How do we allow Holy Spirit to come into our lives to speak and direct you know, if you're like me, you've been hearing tons all over social media of, man, what an incredible time to, to grow during this pandemic and being at home and you can grow your personal health and, and what a great time to grow your, your relationships and you can grow spiritually and you can do all these things. But I'm not sure if you've noticed what I've noticed, that the only thing that happens naturally is not necessarily growth. My natural propensity is not towards exercise, it would be towards the couch. My natural tendency wouldn't be to spend more time in devotions, it would be to binge watch Netflix. And we hear all around social media what can almost ring as this shallow, it's going to be great and it's an awesome time and you can do this, but the reality is that growth doesn't just happen. And so we begin to talk in these series of what can we do in the midst of this time to not just see Jesus in our storm with us, but to allow him to lead us through this storm. Yet, yes, Jesus is your peace if you're experiencing something tragic in this moment, but he is also your Savior and your Lord that desires to not just be with you in your trouble, but to lead you out of your trouble, to lead you through storms and hard times. And so as we begin to look today, we're going to look to the book of Luke in chapter 8 in his Gospels because I think Jesus begins to show us a bit of a pattern of what we can do and how we can evaluate our lives to make sure we're not just growing stagnant, but we're growing forward in the midst of all of this. But let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for everyone online right now, whether watching whatever platform or they're part of Horizon or they got the link shared. God, we just thank you that... Lord, through technology, wherever it is, Lord, that you are with us, that your Holy Spirit is present in the living room, in the car, in the gymnasium, wherever we're at, God, you're with us. 
So God, we stop and we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, in the midst of tragedy, God, would you be with us? I even think right now, one of my friends that just had a baby girl and last night was helivac to Vancouver Hospital from the island. And the complications of that, let alone with everything going on with COVID, Lord, we thank you that you're with us in the midst of our storms. And God, you desire to bring something beautiful out of what we're going through. So God, I just pray for your incredible kindness and peace to surround everyone listening to my words in this moment. And God, would you speak to our lives that we might not just get through this, but we might grow forward in the midst of this. In Jesus' name, amen. And in Luke chapter 8, there's a pretty famous parable uh, that is not just in Luke. It's actually in three, other, three of the other gospels, or two of the other gospels, in Matthew and in Mark. And it's the parable of the sower. And if you're like me, and maybe you've been in church for a while, or went to Sunday school, I want to caution you against the normal tendency to know what the story says and to maybe disengage. I would maybe encourage you this morning that Jesus might want to bring fresh light through the Holy Spirit to what we're reading. But it reads this in Luke chapter 8. says, when a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and it was trampled on. The birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plant withered because it had no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and was choked with the plants. And still other seeds fell on good soil, came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. In verse 9, it says, And his disciples asked him what the parable meant. And he said to them, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. A few things I want to point out that I think really bring to light this passage and whether you're new to church or not to be able to understand what Jesus is talking about. First is the word parables. Um, Jesus spoke in what was parables or today's maybe a common term would be similes. It was taking something natural to communicate a supernatural reality or teaching. So Jesus in Palestine is talking to people who are well familiar with farming and he uses a farming agricultural simile to try and communicate a spiritual truth. And one of the things that we see here in verse 9 that the parable simultaneously conceals the truth of the kingdom of God and reveals the truth of the kingdom of God. The question is which group do you find yourself in? The second thing to to pay attention to is the two groupings that we see here in this story. We see that there's a crowd that was mixed of Samaritans, of Jews, of people that would have Greek thinking or Jewish thinking. And they had kind of their own understanding of what Jesus was saying. They came to their own conclusions. Maybe had some questions, but left it at that. They were happy to hear the teaching come to their own conclusions of what it meant. And I want to point out in this teaching that Jesus isn't angry with the crowd. That throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus' heart for the crowd. It says that Jesus loved the crowd. He had compassion on the crowd. He spoke to the crowd on multiple occasions. And he feeds the crowds when they're hungry. He died for the crowd. And he invites the crowd into a deep relationship with him. And this morning, maybe you find yourself in that place where you're listening and 
It's been great. This is good. But the reality is it hasn't changed much of your life when you read your word or maybe someone shared this link with you and you're like, oh, this is great. That's awesome. I want to let you know wherever you're at, Jesus' heart for you is he loves you, cares about you and the details of your life. But there's also an invitation in his teaching to say, would you take a step deeper? There's more for you. And I want to let you know if you're watching today, whether you follow Jesus or not, there's more for you today if you would take a step from the crowd and step into the second group that we see of the disciples. We see the disciples uh, are a part of the second group. They weren't satisfied simply hearing a parable and finding their own interpretation, but instead ask a question, what does this mean for my life? We see there's a curiosity and inquiry and the disciples say, Jesus, this has to be more than a surface. You're, you're clearly, you're not just talking about farming and that's great. And I can maybe come to some of my own conclusions as to what you mean, but Jesus, would you tell me what this means for me? Would you speak to me in my life? And we see for those that are willing to take the time and the effort to ask the question, what does this mean for me? Jesus, through his parable, doesn't conceal the truth of the kingdom of God, but he reveals what it means for us and he invites us into this conversation. You see, the rest of the teaching that we look at is actually directed towards disciples who are doing this. So as we discuss this this morning, I'm, I'm speaking to those who follow Jesus. And if you don't follow Jesus yet, please don't tune out because this doesn't mean it's never for you, but Jesus is speaking to people who desire to follow him, who have taken the seed as it talks about and say, God, I want to produce kingdom fruit in my life. And for those who are willing to ask, Jesus reveals what is hidden to the crowd, but available to those who inquire. It goes on in Luke chapter uh, or 8, verses 11 to 15. It says, the meaning of this parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The second seed fell among the thorns, or the third seed fell among the thorns for those who hear, but as they go on their way, are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those who are noble with a good heart, hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. See, this morning, we're actually just going to look at the first two soils and what that means for my life and your life. But before we do, I just want to make sure we're on the same page as to what Jesus is saying in this parable, what it actually means. We see at the beginning there's a farmer that goes out to his field. We see in this situation in our lives, this is God who goes out that he has word. This, this word here in the Greek actually is logos. So it's the written word or the communicated word, the, the good news about the kingdom of God. So God comes and there's a field that belongs to him. And he deposits not just good words, but his word into this field, expecting a harvest, expecting fruit. We see that the, third again, that the seed, again, is the word, which is the logos, which is the spoken word. This is your devotions. This is teaching. This is when a word is communicated to you through a message like this. We see that the soil where the seed is planted, Jesus lets us know that that means a heart. 
that the word, when you read it or when it's spoken to you, isn't meant to just enter into your mind and stay there, but it desires the seed to be planted in our hearts. Now, there's a place where the seed is planted, but where that is planted is in a greater thing called the field. And the field represents our life, the things that we allow, our structures, our habits, our patterns, what is affecting our heart. The Bible says that guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. And the issues of life, our schedule, our relationships, everything going around, our family, our work is this field to which Jesus sends words that go and are intended to plant and make it to our heart. We see that there's four different soils that are vulnerable in different areas and different ways for the seed not to actually produce the fruit it's meant to. And there's four different stages of the seed. We see in one situation it remains as a seed. The second soil, it begins to germinate but can't produce anything past that and it withers. And the third, we see that there's a lot of foliage but there's no fruit. And lastly, in the final stage, there's fruit. We see that there's interruptions in the intended result of what God is bringing into our lives. And lastly, we see that there's four, so these four soils are not necessarily linear. Again, if you grew up like me, I used, always used to think like, hey, I may not be a four soil, but at least I'm not a number two soil. Like, oh, number one, salvation, I'm saved, and I'm not, maybe I'm not super shallow. I, maybe I'm not producing great fruit, but hey, I'd rather be a three than a two. And Jesus is not looking at this linear as if it's stages that you graduate. Uh, my father-in-law put it this way. It's like a backyard where you have certain areas of your backyard where the grass is super green and other areas of the same yard, we see that when it gets hot, it burns quicker because there's no depth. And in the corner, there's a bunch of weeds over here that aren't really going that as we look to this passage, please don't come to the conclusion, well, I'm not a number two. No, what areas of your life do you find yourself in the second soil? What areas do you find yourself in the first soil? This is not just a one soil and I'm good. The Holy Spirit invites us to bring him into our lives and say, God, would you speak to me? And we will look at the first soil where Jesus kind of interprets a lot of this for us. Says the seed was the word of God. Those along the paths are those who hear and the devil comes, takes away the word from their hearts so that they do not believe. Again, on the, on the one on interpretation, absolutely, this is where the word is preached, but people aren't able to receive the good news of the gospel. And this speaks to the battle between flesh and blood. This speaks of the battle between the spiritual realms where there's a real enemy that wants to come and harden your heart towards it. Maybe you're here listening today. And for a lot of times, there's been this hardness towards your heart and you're not really sure. Can I say that Holy Spirit would invite you to allow the seed not just to sit on the surface, but to go deeper you see, in Palestine, they would have scattered seed and some would have fell on what is a pathway. And I, in my head, again, I think it's concrete, but what would have more likely been the case is what used to be a really good soil because of the heat and the lack of attention to it became really hard. And the seed would just sit on the top of the soil and could not go down and begin to germinate and produce fruit. So we see again in salvation, but the reality is, there may be areas of my life, of your life, where used to be plowed, that used to be fruitful, but because we have no longer allowed access to the Holy Spirit, remains hard. We don't allow Holy Spirit to speak to our finances, our relationships, or our work life. You see, a farmer would have gone out and they would have plowed before and after sowing. 
it would have broken up the ground that would have stopped the seed from going deep into the soil. And Jesus invites us, if we want to grow forward, to evaluate our hearts and our life. Say, God, would you, to, to echo the prayer of King David, say, Lord, search me, know me. Would you reveal to me any area where my heart has gotten hard to you? And this morning, Holy Spirit invites you to do the same. Maybe you follow Jesus, but the reality is there's some areas of your life that have been off limits to the plow. Or maybe you don't know Jesus, but the reality is in our current circumstances, there's been some shaking. There's been some unearthing in your life. There's some uncertainty. I want to maybe suggest to you that in the midst of this storm that you may be going through, Jesus has more for you. He desires to bring something fruitful in your life if you would allow him to. And the second soil, we see it reads this. It says, those on rocky ground are the ones who received the word. Another translation says, quickly or immediately, with joy they hear it, but they have no root. Since they have no root, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away because they lack moisture. And, and there's special attention in the soil brought to the quickness in which they receive. It is the shallowness that represents the quickness of the lack of thought to which the seed is planted in that causes a quick response. But it's that same thoughtless receptivity and quick response that leads to just as quick of a demise. You see, but again, if you're like me, you picture a rocky soil. Maybe you're thinking like your pea gravel near your house where there's lots of rocks, but there's some grass or weed that's kind of made its way through. And because it, you know there's not a lot of soil or depth, you can quickly pick it out, but there's a lot of rocks. It, you should be able to tell what rocky soil is from a distance. The appearance of rocky soil or someone who has rocky soil should be pretty easy to tell. But that's actually not the case. We see that in Palestine, rocky soil would have looked a whole lot like this here. It would not have been able to tell that there was rocky soil from the outside, from the surface. Everything would have looked okay. Again, once you plow a field, get it ready to sow, all of the field would have looked much like this. All of the field would have looked like it had a great opportunity. What are you talking about, Daniel? Your Sunday appearance and attendance might look fantastic from the outside, but the word that is preached, how often does it go beyond an amen on a Sunday and application to application on a Monday? Jesus cautions us, says, listen, there's a soil that on the outside, on the surface looks great. You can raise your hands, you can amen, and you're like, amen, that's awesome, fantastic. But the reality is, as soon as there's any opposition, what used to be an amen is an oh man. I'm not sure and we walk away from it. And the reality is because on the outside everything looked great. But if you draw a little bit of attention, it was just beneath the surface there was rock. This is what the rocky soil that Jesus is talking about looked like. Looked great from the outside, but the reality is there was no depth. And the seed, when it was planted, it would make its way in, but it had nowhere and no deep roots going to what we talked about in Jeremiah being this living water. You see, in Palestine, where Jesus was teaching, there's something called the hotbed that is described, that is basically describing what we just looked at. This is where the soil was shallow, where there was some moisture, but there was rocks just beneath the surface. Palestine was a very, very rocky place. 
So the seed would go down, but it would not be able to go uh, develop what we call a tap root, which we'll be looking at in a few weeks from now. It had just the, the beginning stages of roots, but in that topsoil, there was a bit of moisture. And when the hot sun came, it would warm up the soil and the moisture in there that would cause the germinating uh, process of a seed to actually happen quicker. It was expediated past what it should have been. So we see a quick sprout. And that can actually be great if you want to grow quick plants or flowers quickly. We even use that process today. But if you're a farmer who's not just looking for leaves, but is looking for fruit and a harvest that doesn't happen immediately, but maybe happens at the end of summer, what happens when the heat gets turned on? What happens when there's a storm? What happens when the situations in our life get turned up just a little bit? In a, in a hotbed, the moisture or the water that was necessary to provide life for the seed would begin to evaporate. And that plant that was so quick to sprout is even quicker to wither because it can no longer find the living moisture it needs to, produ- to provide the life it needs to produce fruit. See, this is what Jesus is talking about in this situation. Jesus, in this part of the parable, is speaking to followers. Again, this is the disciples that hear the word and they quickly and joyfully receive it when they hear it, but lack the depth of character to sustain the word and not just hear it, but be doers of the word. They rejoice at the teaching, but as soon as any trial or persecution or heat comes, and in some of the passages or in some of the gospels, it says not just comes, but on account of the word, they give up because there's no depth. If you've been at church long enough, you see this in people's lives where they come and and someone just tells them like, hey, come to Jesus. I know you're hurting. He'll forgive your sins. He loves you and it's fantastic. And all they hear is come to Jesus. He'll wipe away my past. I get to be with him in heaven instead of hell one day. And he'll make sure all my dreams are accomplished. And they hear it quickly. They don't stop to question what is the totality of the gospel that is true. And so they walk out. And then when they hit a storm, they're like, wait a second. Jesus was supposed to make sure nothing bad happened to me. He was supposed to make sure my dreams were accomplished. He was supposed to do this. He died on the cross for me. And we hear quickly, but we don't ask and say, yes, Jesus died on the cross as your sin, but he rose back from the grave and he invites you to hop up on that cross with him. To no longer be a slave to sin, but be a slave to Christ. Where we're called to follow him, to lay down our agenda, to pick up our cross and say, God, you call the shots. Lord, if you lead me into things that are pleasant, I'm here. But God, when you lead me through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm still here. Because my roots go deeper than my circumstances. Jesus is saying and cautioning a people that would be shallow in their thinking, shallow in their character. We see Jesus painting this picture once again of the crowd versus the disciples. The crowd is satisfied with partial understanding and a surface level cooperation with the word, but never take the time to ask the harder questions. What does this really mean for my life? How does this message on a Sunday affect my marriage on a Monday, my workplace on a Tuesday? My finances on a Wednesday, my thought life on a Thursday, my friendships on a Friday. 
That was just kind of cool how each day had a, a word for it. Got to love those alliterations. You see, this isn't this, the first time where Jesus cautions us against quickness in our responses. See, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us another parable of two contractors that are building a house. And there's a foolish one that has a quick agenda that he's trying to accomplish and get to the end product quickly. And because of that, he doesn't dig down deep enough to find a solid foundation. Says he builds it on a sand. He cuts corners and he uses cheap materials as to uh, have the, the least amount of personal cost to him to produce what's asked of it. And we see there's a house coming, but when the storm comes, because it does, and when the winds and the waves come, because they do, we see that once was this great house, it crumbles or it withers. But there's then a, a wise contractor who takes the time to dig down deep through the sand, through the soil, to establish a deep foundation on something that is firm. And on that, he takes his time. He doesn't cut corners. He pays the price, says, okay, this is the foundation and builds a house. And when the wind comes, when the waves beat, the house may be swayed, but the foundations go deeper than the surface level circumstances coming against the house. And it does not fall. Again, in Luke 6, we'll throw this verse up there where Jesus cautions against the crowd and just being a hearer but not a doer. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. It says, they're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When the flood came and the torrent struck, the house could not, sh or, uh, uh, against the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is a man who built a house on ground without foundation. And the moment the torrent struck, the house collapsed and its destruction was complete. What areas of your life get a quick amen on a Sunday but get zero practice on a Tuesday? Again, this isn't the totality of our life, but Jesus invites us through this parable to evaluate our hearts. Is there any area in your heart where you're hard towards God? And you, it's off limits and there'll be a teaching on finances or generosity or kindness or evangelism and you just come to the conclusion that that's not you, that's not gonna happen and the seed just remains on the surface and doesn't even have a chance to produce fruit. Or maybe you're the second soil where there's a quick response to it, but the reality is you don't really take much time outside of a Sunday to contemplate, to invite Holy Spirit to apply it to your life. You see, the hearer hears the word and it just maintains at an intellectual level of knowledge. But a doer of the word invites Holy Spirit so that teaching becomes the values that guide and lead and direct your life. Not just hearers, but doers. Not just quick foliage, but fruit. We're generous when money is good. We're kind when people are pleasant. We serve when we're appreciated and noticed. We're consistent in devotions as long as God speaks to me every single morning. We know how to answer the questions that people ask us. We just don't know how to live out the answer. You know, how often do we know the Sunday school answer? We know 
what we're called to do. We know we're called to love our neighbors, but what about when our neighbors aren't pleasant? We know we're called to be in devotions, but what about when I don't feel like it? We know, we know, we know, but how deep do our roots go? So what do we do? First, I just want to take a moment And if you're in that place where maybe you don't follow Jesus yet, I want to let you know, as we've been saying, that he invites you to go from the crowd of just listening and he invites you in a personal relationship with him. The story of the Bible tells this beautiful love story of a God who created humanity for relationship with him. Humanity rejected him and allowed sin to come and create a divide between us. As we celebrated in Easter a few weeks ago, Jesus loved you and I too much to leave you at a distance, but he invites us close because he died as your sin on the cross. He paid the price we never could. And three days later, he rose from the dead and invites you to step into a relationship where him, with him where he leads and guides you. This morning, there may be some shaking in your heart. And if that's you, you're saying, Daniel, I'm realizing my life is dry. My life is barren. I need the real life that comes from Jesus. I want to invite you to say a simple prayer with me that says, Jesus, I I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm, I'm in need of you. God, you didn't have to, but you died for me. Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? God, I repent. God, I invite your Holy Spirit to lead me, to teach me what it means to follow you. God, not just from a surface level, but God, allow those roots to go down deep into my heart to who I am. If you prayed that prayer with me, you can jump on uh, horizonfam.ca. There's a little connect button there, and we would love to pray with you. Or maybe tell the the person that you're watching with or that shared this link with you. Uh, But second would be this response of the shallow soil. Again, like I said, To respond to the shallow soil is not to say your whole life is there. There might just be some areas where you hear and are great and are convinced, but the reality is you're just the crowd that's affected. See, the same crowd that was convinced very quickly and easily to praise Jesus, lay down palm trees, singing out Hosanna, was the exact same crowd that the next couple days was convinced to condemn Jesus, crying out, crucify him. Family, we need to have a faith that goes beyond the surface, that goes deep into our hearts. And the first simple step is this, to put yourself in community that will help you go deeper. We've been talking a lot about groups and finding your groups. There's tons online. Don't do this time in the season alone. Surround yourself with people that will help you understand, to contemplate, what does this mean for me? And second, you've heard us talk a lot if you're going through Hearing God, an acronym in your devotions called SMORP, which stands for this simply, you read a passage and then you invite Holy Spirit to make it personal, where you read the scripture, whatever verse stood out to you, then you begin to journal what message, what do you feel like God's saying to you? Again, this is that shallow soul, but here's where it goes deeper. Before you say, oh, here's what I need to do, here's my obedience, stop, say, Holy Spirit, what's my step of obedience? I have a surface level understanding, but I need you to go deeper in me. God, I need you to reveal to me what my step of obedience is. And as Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, just begin to journal that out. And fourth is R for repentance. Because the reality is none of us have a whole backyard full of number four soil. A lot of us have some hard areas that we need to repent and say, God, would you forgive me for knowingly doing this? A lot of us have some 
some shallow soil. We say, God, you've revealed to me that I'm, I lack character to really live this out and practice this in my real life. Would you help me? And lastly is P for prayer. It's Holy Spirit, would you walk with me? Family, as we continue through however long this pandemic's going to last, but more than that, as we follow Jesus, he invites us to grow forward. And throughout the rest of this week, I'd encourage you to take some time to not quickly run out of this Sunday, but to stop and ask the question, what does this mean for me? Jesus, we love you. Pray you'd be with us this week. Help us not just be hearers of this word, but doers of this word. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.